From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Welcome to the initial episode of Travel First, where we tell you what to see, where to go, how to do it, and hopefully give you some tips and hints of what the best things are and how to save a little bit of money. My name's Alex First, and I am joined by Chris Coleman. G'day, Chris. Alex, good to be with you. I was doing some counting during the course of the week, and while I can't say this is a comprehensive figure, I think my number of countries visited is 17. I know that's nowhere near yours, but that's plenty. No, that's, that's a nice start. And look, some people, for example, there's, what, 200-plus countries in the world. Some people want to visit all of them. Others say, hang on, there's some dangerous places in the world that perhaps we will put down the bottom of our list. Mind you, the great countries in the world to visit. What are the great places off the top that you have seen already and would like to potentially go back to? About 12 months ago, I went on a great trip. I went from uh, from Australia to Hong Kong, across to Japan, and then around to Dubai before coming back home. Had a magnificent time flying, uh, and the airlines, by the way, did a great job. But I fell in love with Japan. I fell in love with the, the, uh, the Shinkansen, the bullet trains over there. And we will talk about that down the track because I would go back to Japan in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think Japan is a marvellous place. I've been there three times, and I'm not trying to gloat by saying that. I initially went for work, and as a result of that, I I took the family back. I thought it was just splendid. Their use of space, for example, better than any other place I've ever seen because there's, there's a lot of people there, and they pack a lot into a very small space, but it's very utilitarian, great way to use that space. And it's so significantly different to Western countries as well technologically they were so far in front of where Australia was when I first visited and I dare say they they still are. Often you don't even hear about it in Australia. The beauty of travel is it opens your eyes literally to the world. It also makes you appreciate Australia all that much more. There's nothing wrong with travelling within Australia as well. Some people are going to say, well, why don't you spend your money within this country? There's a lot of places I haven't seen. For example, Uluru. I haven't been there. I would love to go to Uluru. In fact, it's it's on my, my wish list. But I think you can combine overseas and domestic travel without any worry in the world. Generally, when you're going as far as Europe or even the United States, I'd be suggesting because of the the distance, because of the time and the distance, that you spend a little bit longer away. I know that depends on funds. It's a question of using your money wisely, spending your dollars wisely, etc. All of that starts with how you pack. Because if you're going for a lengthy period of time, Chris, that's a real issue. Because sometimes you can get two bags at 20-something kilos each. How easy is it to carry around if you're one individual, two cases you know, 44 kilos plus carry-on luggage. It's not. It's very, very tiresome, and it gets more so the longer the trip goes. So pack light 
it's very easy to say, but you can always ditch things. You can buy things that are throwaway, or you can buy things overseas and then send them back to Australia. But you can also get caught because postage can be very expensive and it's quite varied depending upon which country you go to. I've posted stuff back from many places around the world and sometimes you're caught out. When you're buying souvenirs, just be careful if it's glassware, etc. I mean, they say they pack it very, very well, but bear in mind things can get thrown around. So there's all of those things. Do you really want it? How important is it for you to have it back in Australia? Can you, can you not just admire it where you see it? Anyway, we bought, my wife and I, when we travelled to Europe via Dubai, we bought some new luggage. We wanted to get light luggage because it can make a huge difference. And I, I found a website, which I hadn't seen before, called luggagedirect.com.au. Now, I mention it simply because I found it very, very detailed in terms of the amount of luggage that it had, and it was by far the cheapest of the site's I'd seen and the places I'd physically visited, the department stores, etc. So they had big cases at very reasonable prices by a firm called IT Luggage, as in information technology, but IT Luggage, complete with those locks that customs in the United States can open without damaging your case. And the weight was a mere... 2.1 kilograms for a big case. And I, I thought that was terrific because, I mean, if you've got, let's say you, you give yourself a 20 kilo luggage limit, then if a case is five or six kilos, it obviously has taken up already a quarter of your allowance. And, you know, the, the sheer weight of picking up an empty case is difficult enough, let alone with the contents within it. So there's my first tip. Pack light and buy light luggage at a reasonable price. Now, what about you? Have you got any tips, Chris, in terms of what to do before you take off? As mentioned, Alex, uh, we're heading off to the United States in 2016, so we're not too far away from this trip, and we've been looking at ways to actually save ourselves a bit of money uh, and, and save ourselves a bit of mucking around with the luggage as well because this trip for us, uh, most unusually, will involve hire cars. Uh, so we'll be in and out of hire cars all over the southwest of the US, which means we're going to be doing the lugging of the luggage, which is something that I hate doing. Something we've stumbled across by pure chance are shoes. Think how much your shoes weigh. Mm. Skechers shoes. I don't know if you've heard of them, Alex. Yes, I have indeed, yes. S-K-E-C-H-E-R, Skechers shoes. They are incredible. They are lightweight. They are well-constructed. They are comfortable. And you can buy, if, if, you, if you have the need, you can get uh, a nice, say, a nice pair of joggers, a nice pair that will get you into most restaurants because they've got the high-gloss finish, and you can get yourself a nice pair of, say, slip-ons, and those three pairs will weigh about as much as one good pair of boots. Yeah, that, that is very impressive. I, I must say that when we took this trip to Europe and we were going in midwinter and we got down in temperatures to minus 31.5 degrees, you needed something more than a pair of runners. I only took two pairs of shoes for the entire eight weeks of a trip. And I thought that was pretty good, you know, in terms of packing light. So I had one sort of hardier pair of shoes and I had one pair of runners. That was it. So you can get away with it. And if you need to, depending upon the places you go to, you can buy. Of course you can buy. So if, especially if the place isn't too expensive. And a lot of places in Europe, I found, were not too expensive. You've also got outlet stores in the United States in particular. Hawaii is really good for that too. So you can, you can decide 
you don't have to, you know, if you miss something uh, and you've got at least a few dollars left over, there's nothing wrong with then picking something up while you're away. It, it's also, it'll allow you to reminisce about a trip when you come back. Hey, I bought this in Paris or whatever it may be. The other thing that I reckon is really important, Chris, is surge protection power boards, which enable you to plug in many electronic devices at once when you are overseas, especially if you've got your computer and you've got your camera and you've got your mobile phone, etc., etc. Of course, you then need the appropriate power plug for the country or countries you are visiting. A lot of the hotels will have it anyway, but I reckon it's far better if you've got a universal plug or something of that nature that you can put into your luggage along with a power board. And you can buy those at luggage shops or at the airport. Obviously, if you're buying it at the airport, there's a premium to be paid for it. So you know, better that you do it outside the airport. Indeed. Plenty more travel tips to come, including on ways to save on your weight allowance and get more into your trip or have more space in your case when you go so you can bring more things back. But let's move on to our first destination, Alex. It's a place both you and I have been to in the past 12 months or so, and that is Dubai. Absolutely. And I've got to say a big thank you to Creative Holidays because Creative Holidays were the ones that basically made our trip so much easier than it would have been if we had to do everything. There was a lot that we did ourselves, but there was a lot that Creative Holidays did for us. And, and they package things up so they can do stopover packages, they can do accommodation, sightseeing, transfers, flights, etc., etc. We flew with Qantas. In fact, I used Qantas frequent flyer points and I've been with the scheme for many decades and had built up enough points to, to do a, an around the world trip with my wife. We were fortunate that we flew business class. Now, I don't know, have you done much business class flying or not? I've done a little bit of business class flying. I've never done an overseas trip on business class. Well, in short, it is sensational because you can get those beds, and it's becoming increasingly common now, that are lie flat beds. So you can get a good night's rest, especially if you're on a long-haul trip. And that makes a big difference. You, you, you arrive rested rather than feeling that you are needing to take a Bex and a lie down when you get to the other destination. But, look, that's not to say that economy class travel, you, you can't get by with it. You can. I mean, for many, many years we did. But my wife said, once I've tried business class travel, I'd never go back. Well, it, it also depends upon the costs because the costs can be far more prohibitive if you're going to take a business class seat and you're going to pay for it. So, you know, it, and it also depends on how many frequent flyer points you have accumulated. Anyway, we flew with Qantas. It was a beautiful trip. We arrived at 7.30 in the morning at Dubai's massive, pristine terminal created just for passengers flying with Emirates of course, co-chairing with Qantas. It really was a spectacular airport. I didn't think I'd be describing an airport like that, but yes, it was. Something special. Baggage and immigration were a short train ride away. That's quite common when, of course, you are travelling. We were met by two representatives from Arabian Adventures, Creative Holidays had teed that up, who escorted us through immigration, which was quick and seamless. And a driver for Arabian Adventures was ready to take us to our hotel, the Jamira Beach Hotel. Amazing property. That was 27 kilometres away. And we were driven there. I hadn't seen one of these. A new Volvo station wagon with leather seats. There you go. Volvos have certainly progressed. You know, they're, they're boxy, but they're good. Was that the, the big catch cry 
from 20 or 30 years ago. I tell you what, this was this was spectacular. Anyway, Dubai Airport spectacular, Volvo station wagon just as spectacular. Dubai is located on the eastern coast of the Arabian Peninsula in the southwest corner of the Arabian Gulf. The local currency is the dirham, D-I-R-H-A-M. And it's pegged at, if you're going to carry US dollars, not Australian, it's pegged at 3.67 dirham to the US dollar. Buys you about three dirham to the Aussie dollar, right? So that gives you some idea. Three dirham, one Aussie dollar. And since 1833, the reigning Al Maktoum family has ruled Dubai, right? That's sort of going back, what, a couple hundred years. And now, well, on the 1st of February 2008, Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum was proclaimed Crown Prince of Dubai. Yeah, go and say that again. There you go. According to an official government website, Dubai at last count, had a population of 2.27 million. Now, Chris, when you talk about Australia, half of us are men, half of us are women, approximately, right? Mm -hmm. In Dubai, 1.7 million of 2.27 million are males. Yeah. Makes you scratch your head a little bit. It does, yeah. So the women have got plenty of choice, is probably what I can say about that. Now, Wikipedia indicates that less than 20 of the population are locals and more less than 20% that is are locals and more than 50% are Indians right with the next largest group being Pakistanis at 13% right so 20% locals 50% Indians the next largest group the Pakistanis Dubai has more than 400 hotels nearly 65,000 hotel rooms and by comparison, it's got 235 schools. I asked one of our tour guides about the cost of petrol in Dubai. <laughs> right? Yes. Between 40 and 50 cents Aussie cents a litre. There you go. So much less than half price in terms of what we pay here. About half an hour drive to our hotel, breathtaking view of the ocean, it's got its own private beach, thank you very much, the Jumeirah Beach Hotel, and is adjacent to Dubai's landmark hotel, which is the Burj Al Arab. Now, the striking curved silhouette of the Jumeirah Beach Hotel represents a breathtaking breaking wave. That's its sort of call to arms. That's what you can see from a distance. It has 598 rooms. 19 Arabian-styled villas, six one-bedroom, the rest two-bedroom. It has 19 restaurants, Chris, bars and cafes. That's it not could, bad. They couldn't fit in a 20th? That, maybe they're working on it. <laughs> it's got five pools, so one for each day of the week, Monday to Friday, and then you can double up on the weekends. It has tennis courts. It has second-to-none gym and fitness facilities. It's not a hotel, Chris. It's a complete resort in which you could quite happily park yourself and not leave for the entire duration of your stay. And I'm kidding you not. <laughs> right. So, Muhammad, we got there. We checked in. Muhammad from Arabian Adventures collected us with a driver who drove us to the hotel from the airport. And we were on our way to the world's tallest building. 
the Burj Khalifa. Did you see the Burj Khalifa? I saw the Burj Khalifa. Now, our our trip to Dubai was shorter than yours, and we had to make the call, do we go up the Burj Khalifa or not? Uh, And this is why I'd recommend anyone planning Dubai, give yourself a couple of days. The day we went, it was a very heavy pollution day. And we were told by people who'd come down that while you could see a long way, you could see a carpet of smog. So it's something that you do need to factor in if you're going to go up there because you want to be able to actually see, well, the ground, not the, fo- not, not the smog. Absolutely. And, and the day we've, I went up there twice again, I'm not skiting, but uh, I'm doing saying that because we went up during the day and we went up at night. Different views, obviously. Well, same view, but uh, the, the, the vista changes because of the night. Uh, and the lights and so on and so forth. But they were crystal clear days and the view is terrific. Look, it's built of reinforced concrete and cladding glass, 828 metres, which is what, not too much shy of a kilometre in height. So obviously, if it's a foggy day or a smoggy day, it's going to be difficult to see. But it's got more than 160 storeys and the observation deck on the level 124 of the 160 and it features the elevator with the longest travel distance on the planet. That's not surprising, seeing it's the tallest building. And it reaches the top in less than a minute. Now that's it also, moving. That is moving, but you don't actually feel it. You don't. You don't have this. It's not as if you you're jet lagged getting to the top. The the building also boasts the Amani Hotel Dubai. It's got a fine dining restaurant. It's got 37 floors of corporate office space and more than a 1,000 private residents. It was designed by a firm of architects from Chicago. And excavation started in January 2004. The spire finished five years later before the exterior cladding was completed in September 2009. The building officially was launched or opened January 2010. It took a lot of building, Chris, 22 million man hours of work. I, I, I just struggle to get my head around that. It, it, is, of- it is an amazing structure too when you get there because you, you, you think, how could, some, how could people have built something this big, this tall? Yep, yep, absolutely. And, you know, this is the thing, how far can people go? I mean, are we going to be seeing two kilometre tall towers in the future? what's the purpose of that if you're in the clouds? I don't know. But, you know, bigger, taller, stronger, that's been the watchword for mankind since we first took to the planet. It was an international collaboration of more than 30 on-site contracting companies. At the peak of construction, more than 12,000 workers and contractors were on site every day. That's quite something. It took the best part of half an hour of walking through lengthy passages before we finally stepped outside to witness the breathtaking view. So be prepared for a wait before you get out. It's that sort of build-up. Certainly spectacular. The day we were there, it was it was pretty clear, actually. Still, look, there's no, no other bird's eye view like it because there's no building as tall as this. The multiple tall buildings and motorways and desert that make up modern Dubai spread out for all to see. It is a wow experience. There was a bit of haze. It wasn't crystal clear, but it was still wow. Now, you, you had four roaming professional photographers taking snapshots of, the snapshots of those who visit, right? So, in other words, if you want to purchase their pictures, you can take your own, of course, but if you want to purchase pictures taken by a professional photographer, 
then that's not a bad thing. But the cost of one 10 by 8 photograph is the equivalent of about 80 to 90 Australian dollars. That was the thing that really stunned me about the about this building there's nothing cheap about it anywhere to go up is is pricey the photos are pricey i mean sure you look at the neighborhood it's in there's there's very little that's cheap about the neighborhood either but it really is a premium tourist destination yes it is is in some respects having said that i i'll I'll take issue with it on on one count you can go to these shopping centers which i'm about to talk about and you can do things for free like there's this massive, massive fish tank. Did you get to see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do the fish tank for free, but you want to do anything else beyond the basic stuff, again, you pay through the nose for it. Yes, but but again, it's kind of like when you go to Las Vegas, uh, and I, I presume, have you been to Vegas or not yet? Vegas is on this forthcoming trip. Lovely, okay. So when you go to Vegas, you do not have to gamble. In fact, I went to Vegas for four or five nights, five nights, I believe, and I did not gamble at all. But I spent a lot of time visiting the gambling establishments because of what they provide for nothing. And I say that in terms of, okay, the towers, the, the water, water fountains rather. And, and, and then you've got lions. In, in, you go in and out of the various foyers of these hotels just for the experience. In Dubai, we went to a shopping centre that had a ski resort inside, Chris. <laughs> oh, seriously, a ski resort. I mean, it had ski slopes. It had a flying fox. It had a hotel inside the shopping centre. Amazing. You could do it for nothing. We just stood there and thought, what the? I mean, seriously, um, you, you can spend hours in the malls that just go on and on and on. And, I mean... Chadston Shopping Centre is the biggest shopping centre in Australia, right, to the best of my knowledge. It is huge. And it, it, it it's like a postage stamp inside some of the shopping I was going to say, do we need to develop a, a scale here? How many Chadstons can you fit into an overseas shopping centre? Yeah, well, I mean, look, you don't... The, the thing about shopping centres, I, 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 I think they're spectacular, beautiful, lots of marble and glass and all that sort of stuff, but it's a shopping centre and it's got... You know, the, the big brands, the Dolce & Cabanas and, and the Gucci's, et cetera, et cetera, that you can see anywhere, especially in the Western world. So, I mean, when I go overseas, I actually want to see things that are unique to the country that I'm visiting. So the only, well, in, in Dubai, these huge fish tanks and these ski slopes, et cetera, I haven't seen them in any other shopping centre. There's also a, um, an Olympic-size ice skating rink. I don't know whether you saw that in the same shopping centre that has the fish tank in it. So, look, you can get some things for nothing, but, yes, indeed, there are things that you pay for and you pay quite handsomely for. We were driven to some of Dubai's landmarks on Arabian Adventures City of Merchants tour. Bear in mind, Creative Holidays were the ones. Creative Holidays put us on and organised Arabian Adventures. So the City of Merchants tour. That included a visit to the gold market, where there are more than 500 shops specialising in retailing 18, 21, 22 and 24 karat gold. I don't think I'd ever heard of 22 karat gold before I went to Dubai. They have all gold for all sorts of people. They do. And the more the carats, the, the, uh, you can bend it. It's more pliable. 
uh, the hardier nine carat gold is hardier than 18 carat gold. But of course, the, the more the carats, the more expensive the gold is. Many of the shop windows are a sea of gold rings and bracelets and bangles. And the 24 carat gold in particular is so vivid that the brightness of the colour makes it seem fake. I was assured it was the real thing, though. What did you and think of their sales techniques in the in the gold shops? Because I found it really interesting. You go in and you don't realise you're being subjected to the hard sell, but you are. They're very clever. They're very well, subtle. What, what happened? Well, yeah, I was going to say I found it much more subtle in some of the countries I've visited. I, I wasn't given the hard sell, I didn't think, but explain to me how I was tricked into getting the hard sell when I didn't think I was. They don't stop. They're very friendly. They're very uh, smiley. Yes. They, they're always offering you the chance to walk away, and walk away. But if you turn to walk away, they'll just say, oh, just a moment, just look at the... And they, they're very clever. We found this in a couple of the stores there. And look, this is their living. This is how they make their money, by selling gold to whoever may be coming past, largely tourists and overseas visitors and overseas residents. And we just thought it was really funny because you don't feel at the time... We found it in a couple of rug stores as well. Uh, you know, how on earth we were going to take home uh, an 8 foot by 10 foot, you know, hand-woven Persian-style rug from Dubai was a little bit mysterious, but the guy wouldn't accept that as a, as, as, a, as a thing. He kept showing us more and more rugs in case there was something there we could take home. There we go. I, I had that experience with my wife in one store where we went, went in there. It was beautiful fabrics, etc., etc. And they, well, we looked at the Arabian dress, right? The flowing robes, etc. They said, "Oh, yeah, go try it on. No, no, no problems whatsoever." And so we ended up spending half an hour or more in the store. And of course, they were as friendly as you say they were, and clearly they were looking to sell us these items. I couldn't imagine quite wearing them on the streets of, of Melbourne or anywhere in Australia, for that matter. Oh, you'd but, look great in a dish dash. Yeah, I reckon I would. Yeah, the spice market. Did you see the spice market or we not? We did. We didn't get time for the spice market. All about naturally seasoning and flavours of all hues. The aroma of the place is quite intoxicating. Now, by the way, touts are everywhere trying to sell you fake watches and pashmina shawls. Generally, though, they aren't anywhere as near in, as insistent as some of those that I've encountered elsewhere, particularly in Asia. I, I actually thought they were relatively restrained. They, they Obviously, they're trying to make a living, but... They, they, they weren't as forceful. Now, one of the highlights of the day, that first day, was a short wooden boat trip across the natural waterway of old Dubai. It actually felt like a piece of Venice, a little piece of Venice in the middle of the United Arab Emirates. I couldn't believe it. I, I, don't, I, I presume you didn't take the boat trip. Uh, we didn't take a long, th lengthy boat trip. We did take a, take a uh, I'm not sure whether it was a river taxi or, or whatever it was called, but we did take a bit of a ride up, up, up the river on, uh, on the boat because it's dirt cheap. Oh, it's phenomenal. And there you go. See, there's the contrast in terms of the costs of certain things versus the cost of other things. By the way, the next morning I had breakfast at the hotel. Now, this is, firstly, I went to the gym. I talked to you about the spectacular gym. Basically, I, I was on this treadmill watching CNN, staring out the window at the magnificent marina. I, I had my own boats out there and the spectacular Burj Al Arab, which is the landmark of Dubai. And I thought I'd gone to heaven. It was just extraordinary. So anyway, I, I did that, had brekkie. I gorged myself on the most lavish five room, five rooms of food, not five courses, five rooms, five room banquet. I've never seen anything like it, Chris. I, it was just amazing. 
breakfast consisted of breakfast, lunch and dinner from every corner of the globe. I, I, I wish I could have stocked up like a dromedary, <laughs> right? I mean, for days to come. Your eyes, it's sort of the eyes were bigger than your stomach. I mean, that, that's probably the best way I can describe it. I, I, I cannot, can, can you imagine five rooms full of different food? It, it just, it's mind blowing. And to this day, I talk about it to, to mates. You know, that's at the Jamira Beach Hotel. I, I just, yeah, I, I found it stunning. Anyway, so that that was that was breakfast. Then I, then I sort of um, waddled my way out of the breakfast room, as you do. Do you, by the way, are you a great believer in breakfast or not? Are you somebody who starts the day without it? I I have become a believer in breakfast in recent years, and funnily enough, when travelling, never miss breakfast because you don't know when you're going to get lunch. No, that's true. Absolutely. So look. At 10 o'clock, we were picked up by a driver from Arabian Adventures again, as arranged this time by Dubai Tourism, our fabulous to deal with. So Dubai Tourism arranged this one and made our way to the world's biggest shopping centre, the Dubai Mall. And the Dubai Mall opened on the 4th of November 2008. It's got more than 1,200 shops. And they're in the throes of expanding because clearly 1,200 is not enough, Right. How much is enough, Chris? Uh, in that case, and, in, and uh, I, I think I went to Dubai after you'd been to Dubai, and yeah, it is it is incredible because it it isn't going to stop either. Their their expansion plans are to to, to probably cover the whole planet of the thing in about twenty five years. Yeah, well, it, it's like a who's who of fashion stakes inside this mall, the Dubai Mall. We headed straight for the spectacular ten million liter aquarium, which we've spoken about, which has the largest acrylic crystal clear viewing platform in the world. Let me tell you, that is one ginormous fish tank. What a first impression. I thought it was great. Did you not? Oh, it's magnificent. We actually did spend some money to do the... You can do a little boat trip around the top of it as well. Ah, right. Well, it's more than 51 metres long, 11 metres high. There are more than 140 species of marine animals, including upwards of 300 sharks and stingrays in the tank. And as great as that is... There's an underwater zoo, which is above the aquarium, and that's just as awe-inspiring. Now, I've seen undersea worlds before. Never anything as magnificently presented as this. It's got three ecological zones, the underwater zoo. Again, pristine fish tanks are an undoubted feature. They contain brightly coloured species, along with piranha, a huge Australian crocodile, giant spider crabs, mighty big water rats, penguins and many more creatures in 40 individual displays. So that's the underwater zoo. So that is, I thought it was great. Next, we went back to the aquarium, wandered through the 48 metre long walk through tunnel that gave us 270 degree views. No doubt you did that. Yep. Then it was off for this brief visit to the Olympic size ice rink. You simply turn a corner and there it is in all its glory within the shopping centre, looking a picture, again inside the Dubai Mall. And to step outside the shopping centre is to get the best view of the world's tallest building and to experience the splendour of the world's largest dancing fountain, the Dubai Fountain in Motion, again free. It's set on the 30-acre Burj Khalifa Lake, and it shoots water jets as high as 150 metres, which is equivalent to a 50-storey building. And the fountain's 275 metres long, 
has five circles of varying sizes and two central arcs. It really is the theme of Dubai, isn't it? If we're going to do it, we're going to do it bigger than anyone else. Yeah, exactly. Bigger and better. That's what they're, they're about, because tourism is the big thing there, of course. And it was designed, by the way, by the creators of the Fountains of Bellagio in Las Vegas that I spoke about without mentioning the the name of the hotel. The creators of the Bellagio, and that's just brilliant in Vegas. If you get to go to Vegas, you've got to see the Bellagio and the fountains. But we saw and heard the fountain come to life in sync, wait for this, with Italian opera. (laughs) It just, again, you just go, amazing, wow. At three o'clock that afternoon, we were picked up again by an Arabian Adventures tour guide and we were two of six people together with a driver and a tour guide in a four-wheel drive, 60 kilometres we went out into the desert, right? So six of us in this four-wheel drive. First stop was the Dubai Desert Conservation Reserve to see a peregrine falcon swooping to capture its prey from a handler. By the way, do you know that the peregrine falcon is the fastest creature on the planet? Yeah, never get between one and its food. No. You know, the the, the fastest swoop has been recorded at a top speed of, which is the fastest, in fact, tautology, but there you go, 387 kilometres an hour. That's That's moving. That is moving. Boy, oh, boy. Look, so that we saw that. That was great. Then it was time for some serious off-road driving over the sand dunes. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. A couple of stops for photo opportunities, including one to capture the spectacular sunset. Bear in mind, we started at 3 o'clock. We went during winter, so obviously the sun goes down quicker. By the way, I mentioned we were in this four-wheel drive with four other people, my wife and I. Well, the company had 67 vehicles in tow. 67 four-wheel drive vehicles, each carrying six people. Quite common, though, this was, this was obviously a quiet night for them. They can have two or three hundred vehicles travelling together. Our guide said the most they've carried on these daily tours is 7,000 people in convoy. Gee, that'd be something. Wouldn't that be a logistical nightmare for somebody? Fortunately, <laughs> you, know, you just think about it. Two or three hundred vehicles in convoy. I can certainly understand why the tour is so popular, though. It provides a diversity of the best thing Arabian, best things Arabian, over about six or so hours. Now, we made our way to a traditional Bedouin-style camp for a feast under the stars that included a selection of Middle Eastern grilled meats and fresh salads. I, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. That, well, as close to the true Bedouin experience as you can get. And... While waiting for our meat to be cooked, we had a 10-minute hand-led camel ride. One hump, not two, thank you. I, I was up front and my wife was behind me. I can't say it's the most comfortable ride in the world, though. Have you ever ridden on a camel? I've ridden camels a couple of times in, um, uh, let's call them celebrity camel races. Oh, that's even better, Chris. No, it is one of the most awful experiences I've (laughs) ever had in my life. I I can imagine a camel ride when it's going at a fairly steady pace is is bumpy. Imagine a camel going full tilt. You just hang on for dear life. Yes, indeed. Well, look, definitely an experience you should not miss, though. I reckon you've got to ride a camel at least once in your life. Just remember to lean back when you get on and off the the animal. There you go. I'm giving you a tip. 
get your camel, hopefully it's trained, <laughs> lean back when you get on or off. Okay? I'll give you the other thing about camels. Terry Pratchett, the author, once said, how do you make a camel uh, go faster? You kick it in the side and swear at it. And how do you make it stop? You kick it in the side and swear at it. They are the most ornery creatures around. If you get a nasty temperamented one, it will just do whatever it wants. No, no beating the camel. I'm not into animal cruelty. I'm into animal husbandry. Yes. Look, just after... the good-looking one, then. There, yeah. Hang on. It, it bat... It bat... Bat has its eyelids at us. I mean, yes, it did all the right things. They've got long lashes, these camels. Uh, and, hey, listen, on our podcast, too, with movies, we talked about the director and, and the credits being going to the sheep. Yeah. The credits should also go to the camels. <laughs> Indeed, they should. They should. After our meal at the Bedouin camp, we were entertained by a belly dancer. Of course we were. And also available at the campsite was henna hand-painting, henna hand painting and smoking the aromatic shisha or water pipe i'm not into smoking i did not do it because yeah apparently it is you know it is the smoke is no different to smoking a cigarette so i didn't feel like doing it a lot of people they want to try it you know at least once in their lives so you know it's quite commonplace the aromatic shisha there we go and the, give you some idea of price that's six hours or more, priced from 120 bucks. I reckon that's really good value. I mean that. Six hours, 120 bucks. I mean, if you go to a sporting, sort of a major sporting event, you'll be paying that. If you go to a show, you'll be paying that, and then some. So a really good experience. I would highly recommend going into the desert, experiencing the Bedouin lifestyle, et cetera, as we did. I, it was really special. And look, just... Book it through Arabian Adventures. Book it through Creative Holidays, and you know, ask for the the desert experience. And I'm sure that they'll they'll put you onto it. The next morning, by the way, we waded into the warm waters of the ocean, below the majestic Burj Al Arab hotel. So, at, at our hotel, the Jumeirah Beach, which shares the the sort of uh, warm waters of the ocean, it's the same it's the same beach that the hotel for which Dubai is renowned. It's the same beach for the two of them. And attendants provide thick beach towels and there's upwards of a hundred wooden deck chairs. So you feel like a king and queen muck when you're lying there, Chris. That's basically it. And being guests of the hotel, we got access to Wild Wadi World. Wild Wadi World. Difficult to say if you've had a few drinks. That's it's... the place that's got the massive water slide, isn't it? Yes, indeed, which I did go on. Wild Wadi Water Park. And basically, you sit in a series of inflatables as well, and you can enjoy some hair-raising wild rides where you catapulted up and down water slides at speed and churned around. I kind of like being in a clothes dryer while it's turning, I reckon. That, that's the... I mean, that's the only equivalent I can think of. I haven't tried that, but I'll take your word for it. I, well, I couldn't get enough of it. It was great. Look, I, I, I basically don't mind going a little bit fast and yeah it, it's you're being propelled it's wonderful we we hopped then after the wild wadi water park experience because as i say you can get free access to it if you stay at the Jumeirah beach hotel we hopped into the resort style swimming pool at Jumeirah beach hotel where you can sit on a wooden seat in the warm water i'm talking spa like warm water next to the bar and enjoy a cocktail now isn't that great? You can just sort of sit there and while away the hours and talk to people at 
sort of like a cocktail bar. Very, very nice. At three o'clock that afternoon, another Arabian Adventures tour guide and his driver picked us up to take us to visit a ski slope in that shopping mall. It's called Ski Dubai. Of course it is. Of course it is. Located within the Mall of the Emirates. And you have the choice of a couple of ski runs, a toboggan run, and even an overhead flying fox. Naturally, a chairlift picks you up and takes you to the top. So, yeah, just blows your mind. And there is a hotel there as well, which overlooks the ski slope. And, yes, you can stay there. And for all intents and purposes, you are in Switzerland. But you are in a shopping mall in Dubai. We then made our way to the Burj Khalifa and a second visit to the world's tallest building, this time to see it at sunset and view Dubai from overhead by night. Now, when we did this by day, and I mentioned this, we went to the first viewing platform on the 124th floor. This time, Chris, we went up to the 148th floor, 100 metres further up, and were given VIP treatment, including being offered fruit juice and sweets. Now, why, you might ask me, is there a second viewing platform on the 148th floor? Hey, Alex. Why yes, is there a second viewing platform on the 148th floor? Gee, I'm so pleased you asked me that. Apparently, once they built the world's tallest building, the or the the, the tour, and they put the viewing platform on the 124th floor, the Chinese came along and put a viewing platform higher up. <laughs> yes. What were we saying before about doing it bigger and doing it better? Exactly. So they had, of course, space within the building, or they made space, and therefore they stuck it up 100 metres further up and it became the world's tallest viewing platform on the world's tallest building. Yes. There we go. Then we had a brief visit to the Lost Chambers Aquarium at the Atlantis Palm Hotel, which, you know, like the aquarium in the world's largest shopping mall, it's this big aquarium, it's this stunning large tank consisting of some 65,000 marine animals. That's 65,000, not 6,500. Amazing. Inside, when we were there, were a driving, driving, diving instructor and three others who were obviously on a paid adventure dive within the Lost Chambers Aquarium. It looked great. It was great to just watch them with the divers having sharks and stingrays as companions. Very, very nice indeed. And our driver stopped us off at a place called Souk Madinat Jumeira. Souk Madinat Jumeira, which is a splendid opulent shopping complex, but unlike the shopping mall that I've already spoken about, or both shopping malls, created in Arabian Souk style. And it's got that same ambience. And by the way, we were invited to the Dubai International Film Festival while we were there. So believe it or not, I caught a film with my wife at the Dubai International Film Festival. Uh, the, the screening, by the way, was The Good Lie, starring Reese Witherspoon. I can remember that. And it was a drama about Sudanese refugees making their way to the United States. I must admit that the actual cinema was fantastic. It was, uh, from recollection, it was Art Deco style. I thought it was really, really special. So, you know, the, the and the Souk Madinat Jumeirah is well worth seeing. It is, it is fantastic. And basically what happened was that after we'd seen the movie, we saw a nine o'clock movie, and at 11 o'clock, 
we made our way back to our hotel, the Jamira Beach, via a wooden boat ride and a large golf buggy that picked us up where the boat docked and whisked us to the, the resort. What a heavenly experience. And it was incredibly inexpensive to get back to our hotel. You feel totally safe as well. Absolutely terrific. So that was it. That was our Dubai experience. The next day, we travelled by car for one and a half hours into another country. We'll save that, though, Chris, for the next podcast, for the next travel diary on Travel First. I'll pick you up in seven days, Chris. Thanks for being with us. Cheers, Alex, and we'll talk more about your travels in Dubai, and I'll throw in a few other bits and pieces as well that we haven't covered, and another country yet to be named, probably not hard to guess, on the next edition of Travel First. Catch up with you in a week. Good on you, Chris. Cheers now. That's been Alex First. I've been Chris Coleman, and you've been listening to Travel First. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes, or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audioboom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers and top-secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.